AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us, letting us be part of your day. Always appreciate it. I'm in Kansas City, the beginning of the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Be here today, tomorrow, and Friday. Lots of people to talk with that will be in here for our convention this week, and uh, we'll have an update on a lot of different topics. Today, we have a lot of ground to cover as well. We'll be talking with Kent Backus with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. We're going to talk trade issues, including NCBA asking USDA to halt Brazilian beef imports. We'll get the latest on that. We'll talk markets with Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst, and we'll get the latest ag equipment sales numbers from Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. All that coming up on today's program. But we're going to start it off talking it over with the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Steve Sinsky. Steve, good to talk with you. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Great to be with you this morning. Let's talk about the infrastructure bill. Um, what do you focus on there for agriculture in general, for the soybean industry in particular, that you're most excited about, and what you're hoping for as far as infrastructure improvements? Well, I think I'm most excited about this is the biggest investment that we have had in our infrastructure. And these are the long-term investments that we need not only to make soybean production and exports and transportation, but also all of agriculture and, frankly, all of American uh, economy competitive uh, for years into the future. And so, you know, it makes historic investments in roads and bridges, uh, uh, another $110 billion, uh, $40 billion for, for uh, bridge repair, uh, specifically it invests in our inland waterway system, $17.3 billion, uh, rail, $66 billion, and then broadband uh, for rural America, underserved, uh, which is, as you know, vastly underserved, $65 billion their investments to try to bridge that digital divide that frankly exists in between urban America and rural America today. Steve, as you know well, better than most, uh, the difficulty and the difference between signing a bill and actually getting the money out to those different parts of the country and things happening on the ground. How do you see that playing out and do you have any concerns? Well, I think that's going to be the real challenge for the administration is how do they make sure that they are spending this money efficiently and correctly and getting it done quickly as well, because we don't want things to be lingering for years and years, um, but we also want things to be invested wisely there. Uh, you know, I know that the president has uh, put together a team that's supposed to be uh, overseeing the, the implementation of this infrastructure bill. That includes uh, Secretary Vilsack, as well as the Transportation and Commerce Secretaries, among others. And so I think that's good. Hopefully having Secretary Vilsack there at the table will help make sure that, you know, agriculture's voice is heard. And then certainly that's what we're going to be asking him to do, and, and hopefully that's what he'll be able to do. Yeah, because doesn't it come down, I mean, you got the money sitting there, then someone has to make a decision where it's going to go and how it's going to be used. So you're going to have a lot of people saying, hey, it, it ought to be used on this. We think it should be used here. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that's prioritized and how those decisions are made. It will be. It will be. And make, and hopefully, you know, and, and we don't want politics to be entering into that. We want, you know, worthy projects. But we also you know, recognize that rural areas need the investments, and hopefully that's the case that Secretary Vilsack will be bringing, because you may not have as many, you know, the, the, the benefit-cost ratio may not be quite as good for rural areas, just because those are the extensive areas that have fewer people in them, but those, those investments are so key for the long-term future. Of, of our country and for all of agriculture. So we hope that he'll be making that case when he's at the table uh, and making those, those allocation and, and overseeing those decisions. 
Steve, has the American Soybean Association taken a position on the Build Back Better plan, as they're calling it, this massive uh, spending bill that is still being debated in Congress? Uh, I have a lot of concerns about that, and and uh, I, I see, I believe I saw where the American Farm Bureau Federation has come out against it, even though there's some money in there for some agriculture programs. Ha has ASA taken a position on that? We have not taken a position on that. We've been keeping our powder dry on that just because we have uh, very actively and, and, and forcefully opposed uh, some of the tax provisions that were under consideration for a long time, like changes to stepped-up basis or the 1031 exchanges. Um, and it looks like those things are not included. That's, that's all the information we have from the bill today is that those things are not included. But... You know, we while there are some things that would be good for agriculture, and certainly some of the increased conservation spending would be welcome. We want to really see the whole bill. Um, we think it's going to change as it moves from the House into the Senate. Uh, will probably be reduced even more, and so we're kind of keeping our powder dry until what we see what the final product is before we take a position on that. Speaking of waiting, we continue to wait for EPA to set these RVO levels uh, so the biofuels industry knows uh, what the levels are going to be for uh, the renewable fuel standard, not only for <laughs> next year, but still waiting on this year. And some concerns that the, the administration is going to roll those back. What are you hearing, and uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the the we are nearing uh, what what could be and hopefully it won't be but it could be a broken campaign promise uh of administering the rfs uh, uh according to how uh, congress intended and and getting back to quote normal and we've seen anything but normal right now we're very much concerned about the rumors about rolling back even to the 2020 numbers um and having low 2021 numbers um uh, and so it it is uh, of great concern and uh we've been expressing that but they have not been doing a good job and frankly we don't think that they're living up to the president's campaign promise that he made was to get back to quote regular order in administering the rfs and as we've seen so many times steve with the rfs they just don't follow the law very true. I mean, the law is out there. Uh, the law was passed by Congress to encourage biofuels um, and uh, blending. And, you know, we have seen that, uh, you know, this administration, but also past administrations, uh, have not have, have faced a great deal of pressure always from the oil industry because they don't uh, want to be blending those fuels because every percentage of biofuels into the tank is one less of their petroleum. Now, maybe we'll see over time some of that will be changing as we see some of the investments by these major petroleum companies in, in renewable diesel. Um, but right now, it's still kind of business as usual and still massive opposition. Still frustrating. Steve, as always, good to talk with you. Thank you. Great visiting with you, Mike. Thank you. Take care. Steve Sinsky, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Up next, we talk beef trade with Kent Backus with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, including their call on USDA to halt imports of Brazilian beef. The latest on that next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. Why do I plant NK Seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And that's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment 
owes me a return, and success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at the Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. National Cattlemen's Beef Association calling on USDA to suspend all imports of fresh beef from Brazil to the United States. Joining us now to talk about it is Kent Backus, Senior Director of International Trade for NCBA. Kent, good to talk with you again. Tell us about your request, why you've made it, and have you heard any response yet, anything back from USDA? Well, I appreciate the opportunity to to speak with you this morning. Uh, You know, last week we decided to uh, send this letter to Secretary Vilsack and to ask for USDA to immediately suspend uh, and indefinitely suspend these imports of Brazilian beef. And it it has to do with our our concerns about Brazil's lack of reporting of animal health issues, Uh, you know, that we felt that, you know, the fact that, Brazil has these massive uh, lapses of time between when events have occurred, when they've actually been reported uh, to the public, and and more importantly to the World Organization for Animal Health. Uh, We think that that is uh, uh, kind of a non-compliance issue, but it's also a bigger concern of of whether or not Brazil actually has uh, a central competent authority or an ag ministry that has the ability to report these issues timely and until we can nail that down and get those assurances we don't think that uh, you know they should be able to uh, to export their products here to the u.s have you had a response from usda we have not had a response officially yet uh, we have uh, you know this as this was uh, you know submitted to them on friday if we've given them you know a couple of days to to look over this but as far as a formal response we have not received one yet we know that uh, this is an issue that we have uh, we have been raising uh, for quite some time about our concerns about you know, Brazil's overall uh, you know safety status. Uh, you know Brazil unfortunately just has a history of of you know not reporting these atypical BSE cases. And even though you know atypical BSE it's it's kind of a freak occurrence in nature, the fact that they didn't report it it, it does raise a lot of questions of trust. And so. Uh, atypical BSE is also something that is is not usually trade restricted, but you know, as part of the OIE, which Brazil is also a participant in, 
you know, we're supposed to report these cases within 24 hours. Brazil didn't report theirs for several weeks. And this isn't the first time that's happened. They've had a case in 2019 where it took them over a month. They had cases in 2014 where it took, uh, you know, uh, just as long, if not longer. And then in 2010, there was a case that wasn't reported until 2012, so two full years passed. And so how can we, you know, I, I, I think that just out of abundance of caution, we need to review their entire system just to make sure that you know, they, they are, you know, uh, meeting up to their obligations. And, and until they can demonstrate that, we don't think they deserve the right to be able to, or the privilege to be able to, uh, to export to the U.S. How much Brazilian beef comes into this country? So as of last Friday, uh, it, it was around 77,000 metric tons. And over half of that is, is cooked products. So uh, most of most of what would be restricted would, would definitely be uh, those lean beef trimmings that are coming into the U.S. And that's a higher value for, for them. Uh, but, you know, most of what Brazil sends here is, is either going to be cooked product or it's going to be lean beef trimmings. Uh, Brazil's not one of the major import sources for us. Uh, you have other countries like, like Nicaragua, Canada, Mexico, New Zealand and Australia that that's in, you know, uh, vastly larger volumes of beef to the U.S., uh, but they they also comply with all of these animal health uh, and uh, food safety requirements. So, you know, we don't think that Brazil should be should be treated any differently. Uh, and you know, and Brazil is not the only country that's had atypical cases this year. Uh, there are three other countries: Germany, Spain, and the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. all had atypical cases. And all of them reported them almost immediately to the OIE. So why did Brazil, you know, fail to comply? Why did Brazil, you know, you know, delay the reporting? And until we can get those answers, uh, I think that we need to we need to we need to take action to hold them accountable and suspend their imports. It would almost seem that you wouldn't even have to ask USDA to suspend them. It, it would seem that would. With that, what you, the instances you just cited, that should be enough to uh, raise some red flags. Well, this isn't the first time that Brazil would be suspended either. If you keep in mind, you know they uh, they didn't have access to the United States for the longest time, uh, and a lot of that was you know concerns over uh, FMD and, and other issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know USDA restored their access under the Trump administration, uh, and then within just a matter of months. Uh, it was suspended again because they had <laughs> they had major issues uh, with uh, food safety. Uh, you know, once they once they were allowed to ship to the U.S., uh, you know, our inspectors were looking at everything they were sending here, and they had they had such high rates of rejection uh, that you know USDA said, "Look, we have to step in. We have to suspend this because we have concerns." And they were finding you know things like uh, you know fecal matter and other things like that in that Brazilian product. Uh, Brazil has taken a lot of steps to, you know, to uh, address that, and they they were able to, you know, restore that access. But this is this is not the food safety angle that we're we're looking at right now. We're looking at this from an animal health concern because, uh, you know, atypical BSE it's still something serious. And in the United States, we've taken a lot of steps to make sure that you know we never have any classical cases again. But we do have the occasional atypical case. And when we do, we report it. We make sure that that animal or its progeny never enter the food supply chain. Uh, we don't have reason to believe that that, that is a, necessarily a concern with Brazil itself right now. But we want to get to the bottom of why they are not reporting these instances. And if they're not reporting a typical BSE, uh, which doesn't have trade restrictions, then what other diseases that do have trade restrictions are they, are they failing to report? And those are some bigger concerns I think we need to look into. And we need assurances and actions from the Brazilian government to, to restore that trust. We're talking with Kent Backus with NCBA. Kent, what do you make so far of what you've seen from the Biden administration when it comes to trade? Any areas that you're uh, optimistic about or concerned about uh, as far as policy that would impact uh, potential beef trade? Well, I think, you know, so far the administration's been fairly quiet when it comes to, to beef trade. Uh, and, and to be perfectly honest, you know, we gained a lot of successes under the Obama administration and the Trump administration. 
And so uh, the you know, Biden administration has been pretty good about you know, letting us enjoy those, those benefits and not uh, placing it in, in jeopardy. Because of that, we're we're seeing you know record returns on our exports. We're we're going to set an all-time high at the end of this year. I think the the Meat Export Federation was predicting that we're going to exceed 10 billion in exports by the end of this year. It's unheard of. So for us, you know, times are actually pretty good on the on the trade side. You know, what we would like to see from the Biden administration is a return to that uh, aggressive, you know, nature of opening and expanding markets. We need. We need Trade Promotion Authority to, to make sure that, that Congress and the administration can work together. Uh, but we need to be looking at markets like the United Kingdom, uh, where uh, they have left the European Union. They're trying to leave some of those European uh, restrictions behind, and they, they want to embrace more science-based, market-driven trade. We need to be the ones that are, that are out there leading that effort. And we need the United States to, to lead from the front. Hopefully, we'll also see some stronger negotiations on the uh, in, in the Asia-Pacific theater. It's good that Ambassador Tai is, is over in that part of the world right now. Hopefully we'll uh, have some more success stories. But, you know, we've we got to get that machine moving again. We've got to have that aggressive trade policy. We need the United States leading from the front. I'm not hearing anything on Trade Promotion Authority. Are you? Uh, no, unfortunately, it's. Uh, I think that the reality is is that we're getting so much closer to midterm elections, and then we're right back into a presidential re-election year. So I hope that TPA doesn't fall victim to the political calendar, but that is that is a likelihood. I mean, if Republicans think that they can take back the House and the Senate, they may be reluctant to, uh, you know, uh, to, to move on TPA until they have, you know, greater say in it. Uh, and at the same time, uh, you know, Democrats may have some hesitancies of, of pursuing aggressive trade policies because it, it may not uh, be fully supported by some other labor interests. So, uh, you know, all that aside, you know, politics aside, which is a hard thing to say here in D.C., we cannot afford to wait on this. We have to keep, we have to keep, you know, pursuing stronger market access if we want to be able to compete because we we have a we have an advantage right now because we have we do have better supply chains, we have better infrastructure, we have better market access than a lot of our competitors. And a lot of them are going through some really bad droughts and other things like that. There's there's a tight global supply. But once the markets start to recover, we have to be able to capitalize on that. And I think the United States should be engaged in some of these key markets. Kent, always good to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Take care. Kent Mackis, Senior Director of International Trade for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. We'll talk markets next with DTN Lead Analyst Todd Holtman. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. Flooding and landslides have cut off rail access to the Vancouver port, Canada's largest. The floods have also closed numerous highways, including all main routes to Vancouver. The flooding-related damage has stopped most of the movement of wheat and canola from Canada. The USDA daily export sales notice included 270,000 metric tons of corn for delivery to Mexico. U.S. ethanol margins continue to stimulate demand for corn. On the Board of Trade this morning, December corn 
trading seven and a half cent higher at five seventy eight and a half cent. The March contract up seven and a fraction at five eighty four and three quarters. For soybeans, the March contract up twenty seven at twelve ninety and a fraction of a cent. The January contract up twenty seven and three quarters at twelve seventy nine and a quarter of a cent. For wheat, Chicago wheat December up eighteen and a half cent at eight twenty eight and three quarters. Kansas City wheat December up fourteen and three quarters at eight thirty five and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat December up ten and a half cent at ten twenty five and a half cent. The March contract trading thirteen and a fraction higher at ten thirty and a fraction of a cent. For livestock in cash cattle country, it's slow to start this morning, but Packer inquiry should improve as the day progresses. Asking prices are around one hundred and thirty four dollars plus in the south, but not yet established in the north. Looking at live cattle futures on the Board of Trade, the December contract trading 25 cents higher at 131.97, February up 15 at 136.25. Feeder cattle January down 87 at 158.40, the March contract down 85 at 160.05. In lean hogs, the December contract down 92 at 76.80, the February contract down 70 at 82.67. In the outside markets, the Dow is down 117 points, the Nasdaq composite down 26, the S&P 500 down 9, the U.S. dollar index is trending lower. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we're joined by Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst. Todd, good to talk with you again. We have some uh, China purchases to talk about, right? Yeah, we sure do. Uh, Another slate of buying here this morning. Of course, we've had some sales to unknown this week, and we always suspect that that's possibly China. Mm -hmm. Uh, as well. But uh, you're right, things have picked up a little bit. We also saw a big uh, purchase of soybean oil by India, the world's largest importer of soybean oil. So soy products really on fire at the moment. Do you think this is a sign of things to come from China? I mean, we've been talking a lot about uh, their hesitancy or their lack of buying and counting more on South America. Uh, So what does this tell us? Yeah, well, I I have to emphasize these have been kind of small incremental purchases that we've seen lately. It hasn't really changed the needle in the bigger picture, unfortunately. Uh, China's soybean purchases are down roughly a third from a year ago from the U.S., and our overall purchases uh, are down roughly a third in in the bigger picture. So uh, if that kind of pace kept up, we would be short about 500 million bushels on our export estimate. So it's still, I have still big concerns there, and especially while Brazil's crop is looking very good to start off the new season. So short-term good news, bigger picture, uh, still concerns there. Yeah, it's actually the crush side of the market that has really lifted prices lately, uh, Mike. And of course, part of that's related to a lysine shortage uh, in the case of soybean meal, but also uh, just this whole uh, demand situation of not being able to keep up with our energy demand uh, has helped support the bean oil price as well. So that that's really where uh, the bulk of this rally is coming from lately. That demand for soy products, shouldn't that continue for a while? I mean, is there any sign of that letting up? 
domestically, no. I would say both uh, as far as ethanol goes and the biodiesel component in uh, soybean oil, both of those uh, products ought to remain in very firm demand. We're in a very tough situation right now. I think we forget just how tough the pandemic was on the oil and gas industry last year. And our production just has not even come back yet here in the U.S. And, of course, we, we had a lot of bankruptcies, so it's very difficult to just rebound and turn the switch on with that uh, oil and gas production. So our biofuels markets, ethanol and biodiesel, are, are benefiting from that at the moment. Yeah, with all the frustration with the administration about not coming out and fully supporting, at least publicly, uh, biofuels, and we still wait for things from the EPA on RVOs and things like that. So even with all that, just the demand, the higher prices for fuel, that has increased the demand for biofuels in and of itself, right? Yes. Uh, the, the profit margin on ethanol is just incredible right now. And uh, similarly, the, the crush demand for soybeans that I was mentioning showing very good returns. Both of those are uh, very good situations. And I have to say that because of the outside uh, market factors that we have at work here and the fact that U.S. oil production is a bit impaired still from last year's problems, this is really the most bullish situation biofuels have seen in several years, really since the boom. It's been a long, uh, a bearish uh, market for, in, in general for our biofuels products, and, and this is a big change in the cycle that we're seeing. Yeah, we haven't seen it in a while. You're right. We're talking to Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst. Well, you mentioned outside factors, outside forces. There are a number of them impacting markets right now. Yes, and uh, you, you uh, constantly and correctly asked me a lot about inflation, and a lot of that comes back to the energy market. And, uh, again, uh, I'll, I'll just reiterate that not only were, was the oil and gas industry really beat up last year, but I think we shouldn't forget that Saudi Arabia really did their part to help that along. That you know They don't want to compete with our uh, oil industry. And uh, they, they did their part in uh, really hammering us last year with those low prices. So as we look ahead, uh, the ongoing speculation about the battle for acres, uh, do you feel more momentum starting to move back to corn now? Well, I, I have to say the ethanol situation certainly helps that. And so just as I'm looking on paper, uh, the, the way fertilizer and fuel prices are right now, I'm penciling in kind of a, a roughly a $5 cost of production for corn in the new season. Our cash prices are staying well above that. I think that's good news, and especially for anyone that has their fertilizer purchased already. If they already know their input costs, there's some good hedging opportunities here uh, to lock in corn. So for that reason, I think the corn-soybean rotation uh, may hold up fairly well this spring here in the U.S. I can't say that uh, with much confidence outside the U.S., but uh, here we may have an opportunity to, to maintain our production. Yeah, for those that got a good weather window here in November, and a lot of the country, a lot of the Midwest did, I saw a lot of fall field work going on indicating they're looking for those acres in corn next year. Yeah, uh, absolutely true. And I think that's especially true in the central and western uh, part of the Corn Belt. I understand uh, the eastern uh, part seems to still be contending, and they still get the, the highest rain chances every week. So, uh, things are staying a little wet there, but you're right. As far as the central and west, there's been plenty of opportunity to work in the field. So when we look at South America, they're off to a good start with moisture for planting, but La Nina is kind of uh, that cloud on the horizon, and we watch, yes. we'll wait and see if they turn dry. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and there's still some good rain chances this week. But the, the, the areas at risk are southern Brazil and Argentina, and uh, the forecast does turn uh, toward the drier end next week. So uh, that is going to be the suspect uh, for that. I think the other part of that is with high fertilizer prices. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if it affects Argentina's corn planting. Uh, as uh, They're just getting started right now, but they have much planting ahead of them. 
And uh, the second corn crop for Brazil, it'll be interesting to see if high fertilizer prices impacts that as well. So uh, realizing we don't know what, if China comes back in even heavier between now and the end of the year or not, things like that, but how do you see markets going here till the end of the year? Um, overall, because of uh, the, the ethanol demand, I think corn is very well supported and uh, ought, ought to at least maintain these levels, uh, if nothing else. Typically, this is a kind of a quiet time of year. Uh, mm-hmm. On the soybean side, boy, I tell you, uh, two weeks ago, I was a lot more bearish on soybeans because of the, the export picture. Now I have to kind of say a big question mark. I think the big question is, is crush demand uh, going to be able to make up for some export disappointment that I think we're still headed for? Um, so uh, on soybeans, it looks very firm at the moment, but uh, it, it's it's very hard for me to get too bullish on it here the next uh, month or two. Yeah, they, these uh, are fluid developments that are going on. Interesting to see the trends, but you're right. Uh, these ethanol plants, uh, if they're going to stay aggressive here through the winter, uh, that's going to really support that corn price. Yeah, and once again, we're seeing very good cash corn prices across the country, well into the 550 and higher range across the Midwest. In Illinois and Indiana, we're hearing about cash corn prices above the futures board. So, boy, uh, you know, coming off a harvest, what what more would you like to hear than, than what we're seeing right now? What's your take on the wheat market? Um, You know, it's been a long time coming, but uh, our U.S. and Canadian production really got hit hard last year. It was the lowest U.S. production in 19 years with that drought. Uh, The drought is not gone yet. It's still, I think, going to be a threat in the spring of uh, this upcoming season, 2022. And um, that's where the big concern is going to lie. Our supplies now... Uh, U.S. supplies are at their lowest level in 14 years. We're not in a good situation to tolerate another drought. And um, it it seems to also have a a lingering effect in the southwestern plains uh, here as we head into dormancy. So um, it's a a potentially explosive bullish situation here. I think end users ought to be very concerned about, uh, you know, getting the supplies they need. I think it's going to be maybe difficult at times through the winter here to get the supplies uh, they need. And uh, it's just hard to see anything threatening that until we know more about conditions next spring. I was going to bring that up. Uh, We've talked about, hey, kind of a bullish scenario on grain prices. But if you're on the buying end, if you're buying feed, then it's uh, not as as rosy a picture, right? It's going to be challenging. Yes, absolutely. For for all the end users that need all the different kinds of variety of, of wheat, uh, a very difficult situation. Uh, Durham especially is going to be in a short supply. I'm surprised we haven't seen much in the pasta prices yet in the supermarket, but that seems to be something ahead of us. And for livestock guys, it sounds like feed costs are going to stay up. It, it looks that way. Uh, the, the demand situation is just so strong right now across the board. And, of course, uh, to have the, the situation in corn and soybeans that we were talking about earlier and then add to that uh, a low wheat supply situation, uh, it's, it's uh, going to continue to be an expensive proposition. Yeah, that's the other side of that coin for sure. Todd, good to talk with yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Take care. And soon, December 5th and 6th, I'll be in Chicago at the DTN Ag Summit. We'll be telling you more about that in the days ahead. Up next, we'll talk with Kurt Blades, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. We'll look at the latest ag equipment sales numbers right here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. 
The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the Foundation, Foundation Fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return, and success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. As you wrap up harvest and prepare for the 2022 season, get a jump start by attending the DTN Ag Summit. This in-person event will be held December 5th through the 7th in Chicago at the Fairmont Hotel. Learn from agricultural thought leaders, including Ambassador Terry Branstad and John Deere lead economist Galia Barr, and much, much more. Register before November 25th to save $100 off registration. Get your tickets today at dtn.com backslash agsummit. You only get one chance to leave your mark on the land you love. So choose the soybeans with a legacy all their own. FS High Soy, the first proprietary soybean brand. High Soy has been a part of the land for 50 years, offering the latest in trade technologies and elite genetics. High Soy varieties continue to provide industry charting yields. FS High Soy. See your local FS member company or visit fshighsoy.com. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
And welcome back. Again, I'm broadcasting today from Kansas City, the opening day of the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. We'll have a lot uh, to talk about tomorrow as a lot of folks from agriculture will be joining us here in Kansas City. And uh, we're going to be uh, getting an update on what's going on in Washington, D.C. Uh, with the infrastructure bill and what's the latest on the so-called Build Back Better bill. Um, we're also going to get the latest from the renewable fuels industry. Very concerned, obviously, that the Biden administration is going to roll back the requirements for oil refineries under the RFS. So we're going to keep a close watch on that story as well. Interesting, uh, as I mentioned earlier, American Farm Bureau Federation uh, not supporting the Build Back Better plan. I want to get some reaction from the uh, Farm Bureau on that as well as they look at that and uh, see what's in it, even though there are some things in there for agriculture. So um, lots to talk about. We have a lot of folks on going to be on with us tomorrow. But right now we're going to talk with Kurt Blades, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. We check in with Kurt each month to get the latest ag equipment sales numbers. Kurt, thanks for joining us. Uh, more good news? More good news. We continue to see uh, surprisingly good news in tractor and combine sales in both the U.S. and Canada. Uh, September and October, uh, you know, continue on with that trend. Okay, what categories are you seeing the most strength in? Well, for, for uh, you know, if we look at the U.S. specifically, uh, in the month of uh, October, self-propelled combine saw a pretty sizable jump. We saw a 73% jump of sales of combines in the month of October. Uh, that's in addition to, you know, sort of uh, the strength that we've seen for the year. So we're up about 24% uh, year-to-date in self-propelled combines. But another bright, bright spot that I like to point to a lot is uh, these 100-plus uh, horsepower farm tractors. So that would be uh, your traditional uh, row crop tractor. Those are up 10% for the month of October and 23% for the year. So kind of seeing some strength all, all across the board, maybe a little bit of weakness in some spots like articulated four-wheel drive. But across the board for the year-to-date, we're up across the board. So good news on demand. What about getting those that equipment to those wanting to buy it. How challenging is that right now with supply chain issues? Well, I fully expected that to be your follow-up question, Mike, because the supply chain issues are very real. And uh, all of your listeners know that, whether they're buying a tractor, a car, or whatever it might be. And we're absolutely seeing that on the equipment space as well. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's kind of a perfect storm, whether it's transportation or or steel prices, or you know, containers being in the wrong spot, or labor, or you know, semiconductors, or you name it, everything is being pinched right now. And and working closely with uh, you know manufacturers, working closely with their suppliers to make sure that we can get as, as much product out the door as possible. And as you know, as we end as we end harvest, I mean, I think you know as you as we've said before, high priority has been placed on wearports and and those things that are required to get. Uh, to get the harvest done. Now we're going to be shifting quickly to making sure that we've got the parts in place uh, to ensure that uh, crops can get into the field this spring. Uh, and then in the meantime, you know, putting as much new product out the door as we possibly can to meet that demand. In the meantime, it's also created more demand for good used equipment. You bet. As you well know, the, uh, the used market and the new market are so closely related in the ag space. And uh, I guess the good news is use prices are holding quite well. So, you know, farmers are able to take advantage of, of uh, you know, if, they're, if they are able to get new equipment, they're able to also sell their used equipment at a pretty nice price. And so that keeps the, the balance sheet in a nice, in a nice place. But I'll tell you what, it, it's tough out there across the, across the board in terms of supply. You go by any dealer lot and there's not a lot on there. Um, that's that's good news, uh, but that also creates more than a share of challenges uh, for the folks that are wanting to buy capital equipment right now. Do you see any improvement in the near future on the supply chain issue? Boy, I, I wish I could point to a date or a time horizon, um, but what we're hearing from our manufacturers and what our manufacturers are hearing from their suppliers and frankly, just the whole geopolitical scene right now is that uh, I think we've got to be patient. This uh, the supply chain challenges may take a little while for it to work out. 
Uh, I don't know whether we're talking about, you know, early 2022 uh, or mid or even late 2022, but I think we've got to be prepared uh, for it take for it to take a while for some of these issues to uh, to sort themselves through in the grand sense. And then as it relates specifically to ag equipment, as we've we've said before, we're doing what we can to prioritize to make sure that we've got some unique seasonality in our market and that we can do everything we can to get those machines and those parts where they need to be at at the right time. As you said, your challenge right now, your priority is to be able to get as much equipment out to be ready for next spring planning. You bet. You bet. That's absolutely the case. I mean, that's the... That's the uniqueness of the ag market is that, uh, you know, it's not like a car where you can let it drive one more one more month. If you wait that extra month in the ag space, you might have missed your window. And our manufacturers are very, you know, very keen to that and, and absolutely doing what they can to, to prioritize the best they possibly can to get this, uh, get this machine in the hands of the farmers where it needs to go. And then the industry also dealing with a major production strike, a factory strike. Yeah, you know, I, I can't really comment on the strike. I guess, uh, you know, I think it's it's well publicized. The one thing I do hope uh, is that we, that both sides come to a, a resolution as quick as they possibly can. You know, that just complicates the supply chain issues a little bit more uh, to have uh, labor disruption like that. So let's hope when we get to as quick a resolution as we possibly can. All right. Kurt, as always, good to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. You bet. Appreciate the time today, Mike. You take care. Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. We wrap it up for today here in Kansas City. Back tomorrow. Busy day coming up tomorrow. Lots of folks to talk with here at our National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Hope you'll be with us. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for joining us on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy to listen to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. Egg retailers, co-ops, and custom applicators have enormous productivity requirements. With thousands of acres of fertilizer to apply in a short window of time, they don't have time to make mistakes in the field. Intelligent Ag's Recon SpreadSense is the first ag technology that monitors the flow of product on floaters. The technology identifies flow issues to avoid streaks in the field that can hurt yield potential. Reduce the risk of misapplication by investing in Recon SpreadSense. Never doubt what you're putting out. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more.